Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, June 14th. We begin with a look at the City of Calgary's recreation facilities reopening today under Stage 2 of the province's Open for Summer plan. We speak with Sarah Off and Global News reporter on what you can and cannot take part in starting today. June is Pride Month. Today, we learn about the important work done by local group Trellis, which aims to help LGBTQ plus kids and youth needing assistance in our city. How much do you know about Lyme disease and what's the risk of contracting it here in Alberta? We look at the cause, symptoms, and treatment available with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. And finally, it is another edition of Motivational Monday, and this time out, we'll speak with Stan Peak, founder and executive coach with Insight Performance Coaching. Stan offers up four tips for both short-term and long-term success, no matter what your goal might be. Well, you can call it perfect timing if you like. Just as Calgary hits another heat warning, pools around the city are reopening. But that's not all. With more on city facilities opening their opening their doors again today, we are joined by Global's Sarah Offen. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Andrew. Well, along with pools, what else is opening today? Yeah, so we're going to start seeing some uh, hockey arenas opening up. Uh, that includes uh, hockey and ringette. We're also going to see some some gyms that are opening up. I'm here at uh, Killarney uh, Recreation Centre this morning. So, of course, they have the pool. They also have two uh, gym areas that are open for bookings. The gyms are open for bookings of 90 minutes, and the pools are open for 60 minutes. Uh, but, uh, boy, is it uh, ever booking up fast. They're, they're completely sold out of those bookings this morning. Wow. Wow, I bet. Okay, so uh, pools indoor in the recreation facilities. What about outdoors? Do we know anything about those? Yeah, so as far as I understand, the Outdoor uh, Community Pools Association planning on reopening several uh, pools around the city this weekend. So Saturday, uh, we should have uh, some more places that we can go and cool off. But for now, uh, this week, we have six uh, indoor swimming pools that are open under the city of Calgary. There's going to be more opening up later this week as well. So things are going, things are creeping along here as we approach, um, you know, these, these bits of normalcy back to So you mentioned, yeah, you want to make sure that the facility or, um, you know, the specific type of recreation within each facility is open before you head on out there. What else do we need to know if we want to use the facilities? Yeah, and and you know that's a really good point because it, we've been watching this morning as uh, as we've seen people looking at the parking lot and then coming in to try the doors and you know they've got their workout gear on or they've got their swim bag in hand and then being turned away. So for sure, you do need to uh, go online to the the city website and and book before you come in. Again, sixty minutes if you're going to the pool, ninety minutes if you're going to the gym, and uh, and so again they they're only allowing a certain number of people uh, to be booked those so you're going to have to do that ahead of time and things will look a little bit different just in terms of of um going into the the change room and of course following the arrows that we've all been doing that kind of thing i think for a lot of people that all is going to feel like standard procedure but don't expect things to look quite as busy once you're on the inside that is if you can get on the inside and get one of those bookings oh it'll be so nice to get back in there sarah what about uh like registered programs day camps etc for stuff that might be coming up for this summer through the city Yeah, so the city is going to be opening things up for swim lessons. And and it's interesting because um, the the city manager that we were talking to yesterday, you know, really recognizing the fact that there's a lot of families that have um, this gap now with their their children who, who would otherwise 
you know, know how to swim now or, or mm-hmm. be on their way to learning how to swim. So, you know, recognizing that there's a bit of a, a lag for a lot of people and that they're eager to get their children back into those swim lessons again. Registration is going to be starting tomorrow and then the, uh, the city will be offering those swim lessons again coming uh, July 5th. Fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of people are excited. It's one oh. more sign of normalcy. Yeah. We, uh, again, uh, the, uh, there's a lot of details uh, to unpack, so we appreciate it uh, coming from you, Sarah. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks. That is Global Calgary reporter Sarah Offen. Well, as part of Pride Month in the month of June, we want to reintroduce you to an organization that is called Trellis, formerly known as Boys and Girls Clubs. The group does incredibly important work right here in our community and has been supporting queer youth for decades. And joining us with more is Sean Thistle, who is a director of philanthropy at Trellis. Morning, Sean. Good morning, Sue. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk a little bit about Trellis. Name change, but the the, the work that you do is still super important, helping our young people, especially in the LGBTQ plus community. Tell us about it. Mm-hmm, yeah. So Trellis um, became, became Trellis around this time last year. We're just celebrating our first birthday, but we have a combined history of about 117 years of experience meeting people at the intersection of some of society's most complex challenges. All told, we offer 34 programs for approximately 9,000 people each year designed to support children, youth, families, and communities. And uh, the programs and services we offer open a path upward for people from every culture, gender, and life experience to reach for their potential. John, I'm wondering, you mentioned the rich history when it comes to the number of years for the organization. Now, no one is Trellis. I'm wondering how entrenched it is in the city as far as how accessed or how needed. Can you give us an idea of how many of, of kids use the programs? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been seeing, well, across, I think, also social service agencies um, nationwide, a disproportionate number of queer or gender and sexual diverse youth. Um, showing up where they are either at risk of homelessness or experiencing homelessness. And we've certainly seen that here locally as well. So we have a number of programs um, that show up for queer youth. One is our Avenue 15 program, which is uh, an emergency shelter in the downtown core. And about um, 17 to 20% of the youth that come through that program identify as queer and then we also support uh, queer youth in our group care programming, which is oh, just over 20%. And then with youth in schools, supporting them to help them graduate. And we also have one amazing program, which is specifically geared for gender and sexually diverse youth. And it's called Aura. And it's a, it's a housing first program that works with kids ages, well, I shouldn't say kids, but young people ages 14 to 24. And uh, they work along, alongside um, staff who have, in many cases, sometimes similar lived experience or um, identities. And they support LGBTQ2S plus youth, uh, gender non-binary and gender non-conforming youth who are at risk or currently experiencing homelessness. And we help them find appropriate housing um, where their gender identity and sexual orientation are respected and celebrated and they can feel a sense of belonging and they can step into their futures as adults feeling supported and, and, um, 
and excited about their futures. Sean, is there a greater risk for queer kids or LGBTQ plus young people to be homeless, to be out on the street? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, unfortunately, I would say actually fortunately that we have, I think as a society, gotten much better at um, showing up for young gender and sexually diverse people. And yet at the same time, we're still seeing a disproportionate number of youth who um, who would identify on the LGBTQ2S plus spectrum showing up in our homeless serving sector, I would say across the city. It's kind of shocked, uh, Sean, when you said, and I spent some time when it was formerly boys and girls clubs, uh, we now call trellis, obviously, um, the age, because, you know, I had this image and even the, the time I spent, you know, uh, getting to know the organization, I thought it was for younger kids. But boy, the span is incredible. Yeah, we actually work. So we have preschool programs. Um, we have summer camp programs. And then we also, um, in addition to sort of the youth ages 14 to 24 that we mm-hmm. work with, um, we work with families, natural supports. We have beautiful programming all over the city, including through our Thousand Voices program up in the Northeast. Um, and, and just from, we work with people from every lived experience, culture. Um, yeah, yeah, we're really, we're really uh, quite excited about who we are growing into as well and, and how, um, how many different folks across the city and actually in neighboring Chestermere and Strathmore that we get that we get to interact with. Sean, has, has COVID, has the pandemic affected youth, uh, particularly LGBTQ, but as a whole that you're seeing through the trellis and, and the programs that you offer? Yeah, I would say it's, it's hard to say no to that. Um, we're seeing kids who are experiencing, you know, mental health challenges um it's hard to feel a sense of connection when when you can only see a couple of people in your day-to-day life i think you know what we do is we try to make sure that that whether it's um children or youth that we're working with or even families that they have you know at least a few strong connections and where they feel supported and uh, not isolated from others i think that's the that's the biggest danger is is being terribly isolated and and not feeling like you have supports john let's talk because it can get to, you know very serious for some for some it's a place to to spend some time in in an area where you know perhaps home is not a, a safe place or a fun place to be but as far as getting in and digging down deeper let's talk about the staff and, and and training them to deal with situations that are less than ideal and can get pretty dark uh, yeah, absolutely. So training, we we have a very strong value of learning and education within the organization. And we do safety training, um, working with, you know, within families that are, that are really struggling. It's important um, when working with youth who are really struggling to, to ensure that we have staff who are well-trained. Um, but primarily, we need to make sure that they're well-trained to show up for um, the youth, the families, and each other in a way that provides folks with a sense of belonging. And that's something that we have seen within the organization over, you know, over time uh, become more and more 
I would say, visible and obvious, and, and it's an exciting thing that we've seen certainly in renovations that we've done within facilities that we work in where we have gender um, inclusive bathrooms, where we have, you know, murals on the walls where kids can see themselves represented, whether that be their their race or their sexual orientation or their gender, um, that they know that it's a space where they where they belong. Wonderful programs, great website, so much information there. We're going to send people to Grow With Trellis, and it's T-R-E-L-L-I-S, growwithtrellis.ca. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Happy Pride. Happy Pride to you. Sean Thistle is the Director of Philanthropy at Trellis. The official arrival of summer, a mere days away with more people Uh, wanting to get out of the house, explore nature, and as a result, more people will be at risk for Lyme disease. How much do you know about Lyme disease, and what's the risk of contracting it here in Alberta? With some answers, we're joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. First of all, what is Lyme disease, and what causes it? So Lyme disease is actually a bacterial infection and it comes from ticks. So ticks get it, and then when they burrow into your skin, uh, they essentially infect you with this bacteria, and the bacteria, if it uh, takes hold, uh, essentially infects you and causes all kinds of grief thereafter. This is something that we've been hearing more and more about over the, the last you know handful of years, really. So what's the level of risk for us here in Alberta, Dr. J? So this is very controversial, what I'm going to say next but there's never been a case of Lyme disease from an Alberta tick. So there are cases of Lyme disease in Alberta, but there are people who have gotten it from outside the province. Mm -hmm. So if you're hiking anywhere in this province, you actually have, well, I don't want to say zero, because they have found uh, the bacteria in some ticks in Alberta in a very low percentage, but there's never been a human transmission from an Alberta tick. So your risk is exceedingly low. Mm. So could we get it without traveling? There's no other way we could get it if we stay put in Alberta? Correct. So COVID has been exceedingly favorable to Lyme disease in Alberta because nobody's been traveling. So hiking around, you can certainly get tick uh, ticks. And I've seen actually in the last couple of weeks, a few patients who've come in with ticks, brought their ticks in uh, for identification, etc. But the risk is very, very low. And I appreciate that's a controversial statement, but I will stand by it. Wow. Okay, fair enough. So if you're, you know, you go to BC though, and you're hiking, then your yes. level of risk obviously goes up. If if someone does end up getting bitten by one of these ticks that is disease, say in BC yes. or elsewhere, how do we know? What what do we look for in ourselves? Right. So this again, a little bit of controversy here. So there's only a very few ticks that carry Lyme. Um, so you can number one, if if you can, if you have the tick. And pull it off, uh, keep that tick, take a picture. So actually, Alberta Health has a submit a tick program where you literally take a picture of your tick, send it in for identification, and they will tell you what the risk of Lyme disease or Rocky Mountain spotted fever, all these other vector illnesses. If there's no risk to any of these, you don't have to worry. 
If the tick is on you for a few hours, less than a day, your risk is exceedingly low. So most people, if they find a tick, brush it off, pull it off, the risk is extremely low. It's really only one that's been burrowed in and it's been there two, three, four days, etc. That's where the risk really comes in. Uh, So people panic um, because they see a tick, they pull it off, and it's really only been exposed for a few hours. That risk is extremely low. Very interesting, and it's certainly a timely topic. Thanks for shedding some light on it, Dr. Jablonski. Okay, you betcha. That is Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. It's our Monday tradition here on the program, Motivational Monday, a segment dedicated to helping you achieve your goals and live your best life. Today, we have the opportunity to speak with Stan Peak, founder and executive coach with Insight Performance Coaching. Good morning to you, Stan. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking the time. So we'll get into uh, some of your ideas that you want to share with us this morning. But first, tell us about Insight Performance Coaching. What's your focus? Yeah, our focus is on helping leaders become the best version of themselves. So we help values-based entrepreneurs grow their businesses, and we help leaders who are focused on team success grow their teams and their executive presence. I think we can all get on board at being successful no matter what we do in life. So, Stan, I know you've got four tips for finding and or fueling motivation in the short and long term for us. So let's start with start your day on purpose. Tell us about that. What do you mean? Yeah, I think it's really important that people need a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And so that might be little short term goals or just being clear on what you need to do for the day. So big believer in set an alarm unless you're one of those people that hops right out of bed. Uh, I think it's important people realize that even the motivator isn't someone who gets up at 3 a.m. by themselves ready to go. Uh, I set an alarm and I think it's important to have everything ready, your workout clothes, on your nightstand, the night before. Uh, Think about what you've got to do that day and instead of hitting snooze five times, get up, be ready to go, and really tackle that day, you know, on offense, on purpose, instead of on defense, reacting to what the day throws you. Does this take time, Stan? I'm wondering because, uh, you know, like any habit, we hear it takes a certain amount of time to to build a habit because for me even, I always hit it an extra 15 minutes. (laughs) And I I think that that 15 minutes will serve me better than the benefit of of getting up 15 minutes early. (laughs) Am I wrong? I don't want to say wrong. I I will say that it takes less time than people think. And the best way to build a habit is just one day at a time. Just focus on today. Any big life change, if we look at the big picture, is going to seem daunting, if not overwhelming. But everybody can just get up tomorrow. So, and Obama, President Obama, when he was in office, he would have his team set out two suits the night before. He didn't want to make all these big choices and exhaust mental energy. He had to tackle some bigger challenges probably than the rest of us. But that's a small example of just set up the night before so that your morning starts successful. You don't waste time thinking about, you know, what you want to wear or what you want to eat. I I make all my breakfasts on Sunday, freeze them for the week, and then I just throw them in the microwave. Fantastic. Small examples. Yeah, great examples too. I, I love that. So start your day on purpose and have a plan to get yourself up and going. How about number two? Choose your focus. Uh, can continue on with that thought. Yeah, it's really important that we really think about our mental energy and where we spend it on. Days don't always go how we plan them. So what's really important is that we choose where we spend our mental energy. If we focus on what's going wrong, if we focus on our problems, we're going to see more of them. 
and they're going to seem more severe. But if you focus on opportunities, if you focus on what there is to be excited about, you're going to notice those things more. Now, that doesn't uh, mean naive. That doesn't mean you don't know about your problems. That doesn't mean you don't know about the, you know, adulting you have to do for the day. What that means is you're able to deal with what you need to deal with, but you don't overstress about your problem. In, in fact, usually worrying is worse than the thing itself. Yeah. So instead of dealing with something and getting it over with, a lot of people worry about something for a few hours, and there's an opportunity cost. If you're worried about the problem, you're not focused on solutions or opportunities. So it's really important that we choose our focus because whatever we focus on grows. Choosing your focus is number two. Number three, you uh, say create small early wins. What do you mean by that? There's a lot of research in psychology and motivation that one of the best ways to, to actually fuel motivation is to create momentum. And momentum doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be a promotion or getting that new job or landing a new big client. You know, momentum could be you found the easiest, smallest thing on your to-do list and you got it done. And even if your to-do list looks daunting, think about something you did yesterday that wasn't on your to-do list. Write it down just to cross it off. It, it sounds silly, but that's a psychological hack that just creates a state of, oh, yeah, I did that. And there's a positive reinforcement that occurs when you think about what you've already done or you do a small thing that now it's like, okay, this is a good feeling. Achieving things feels good. What can I do next? So that's a small way of setting yourself up for success. I love that. Any win is a win. Exactly. Okay, so we've got start your day on purpose, choose your focus, create small early wins, and your fourth step, get crystal clear on your purpose or long-term goal. Talk about that. Yeah, this one is more long-term, as we said. Um, A lot of these are short-term. And if we do all the short-term stuff well, in the back of our mind, we're still going to be wondering, well, where is this all going? So this is where you need time to reflect. I I always say things like purpose require a different type of thinking. So if you're sending a bunch of emails and then you have five minutes to spare, don't think about why you were put on this planet. You're not going to come up with the answer. Uh, You actually even use a different portion of your brain to answer questions like that than you do to answer emails. So it's important to find time in our week, not necessarily every day, but in your week to get out there, relax, think about where you do your best thinking. A lot of people don't think about that. It might be outdoors. It might be, you know, with your pet. It might be just in your favorite place. But that's where you start to think about what do I want out of life and, you know, what am I here for? What am I doing? I know those are big questions, but it is important to spend time reflecting because then we can connect small daily tasks to larger outcomes or larger goals or even our purpose. Two quick things that help us with a purpose. Think about the things that make us the happiest and think about some of the biggest hills we've had to climb. Uh, In other words, your purpose can come from your pain and your purpose can come from your joy. Mm -hmm. And then we can think about some goals. And those goals don't have to be high-minded like purpose. It could be your travel bucket list. It could be savings. But the point is you want to have longer-term goals that you can have your short-term goals align with so that you're making a long-term direction Mm -hmm. because that's an easy way to find motivation as well. On days where you don't feel like you're doing much, reflect on where you've come over the long term towards the big stuff. 
Very Love all it. perspective. Love it. Uh, appreciate it, and it was a perfect fit for Motivational Monday. Thanks for your time, Stan. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys, and have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. You too. That is Stan Peak, founder and executive coach with Insight Performance Coaching Online. Insight, which is I-N-S-I-T-E, performancecoaching.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.